the nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Halasnik, and I'm co-founder and managing partner of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions is the leading provider of lines of credit to small nonprofits. Our line of credit program is easy, inexpensive, and costs nothing until used, making it a great cash backup plan for your nonprofit. If you'd like to learn more about the program, please visit us at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. And if you decide to apply today, we will even give you a $250 credit on file. Or feel free to give us a call at 862-207-4118. Just remember the time to set up your line of credit is now, not when you actually have the emergency come up. And because the line of credit costs nothing to set up and nothing until used, it's just a great cash backup plan. I can't tell you how many executive directors that we work with, which are certainly in the hundreds, um, just are just so happy that they have this cash backup plan. Today, I am excited to be speaking with uh, James Mueller from James Mueller and Associates. Uh, James uh, has been immersed in the nonprofit sector leadership throughout his career, which is four decades of experience working with or serving on nonprofit boards. From higher education to healthcare to social service agencies, he has experienced every imaginable combination of good people trying to do things through board services. As an author, lecturer, philanthropic, and organizational strategist, and not government. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, nonprofit government expert, Muller shares a lifetime of experience with nonprofit boards and executives. His work helping nonprofits advance their missions has earned him recognition nationally. The pages of his most recent book, Onboarding Champions, are filled with intelligent and practical advice interwoven with a lifetime of stories about working with nonprofit boards. James, welcome to today's Nonprofit MBA podcast. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. So this is a good topic. Uh, we haven't really co- covered this topic. You know, I, uh, we're starting to, uh, I think this is something like our 36th podcast, and we're starting to drill down into a little bit more details of, of various different uh, important items that affect a nonprofit. Um, and so I, I really like this topic. I know you wrote a, a good book on it as well. Um, today's topic is onboarding and recruiting principles for, for effective nonprofit boards. So, you know, in general, this is about bringing on, you know, the right type of person uh, for your uh, nonprofit board. So when you started writing about the, this book that you had come out with, uh, what gave you the uh, the thought process that this was something that really needed to be uh, understood? Well, having worked with boards from the very start of my career, um, I watched how, as I said, so many well-intentioned people trying to do something good, but with very little education around how to do it well. And so over the last, you noted, four decades, I've seen this kind of a consistent pattern of of good people wanting to do good things, but without a lot of uh, education or knowledge about how to do it, what their role is, and how to be most effective 
for the nonprofit. Yeah. It's just like hiring, right? You know, like, you know, over the 25 years that, you know, I've been in business, you know, it took, it took, it takes you a couple years uh, to figure out that if you hire the right people and you train them, you provide them the right resources, that your job gets a heck of a lot easier, doesn't it? You, you just hit it right on the head. Yeah. That's the one thing we fail to do most often in board member recruitment. It's who's within arm's reach. So here you have a group of people who hold the highest office and have the greatest impact on the nonprofit, and they're the least trained and the least carefully selected, in usually. And so the book outlines how do you attract, identify, and then onboard effective board members. Yeah. Do you think that, I mean, the executive directors, you know, they're all running around like crazy trying to do so many different things, right? Do you, do you think, uh, and I know we're going to jump ahead. We're jumping ahead a little, at least I am. Um, And I don't know the answer to this question. I'm just asking it because I would think logically I would make sure that the person I hired, correction, the uh, person I asked to join the board as the, as the uh, president would be the one I would, you know, spend the most time making sure I got the right person. And then I'd ask them to bring on the rest of the members based on the criteria that we both put together. Is that, is that make that, that way the executive director can step away from it a little bit. Does that make any sense or no? Well, well, I don't think you misspoke when you said hired. I think no. that's the approach. <laughs> that's the approach we should take yeah. to, to uh, recruiting board members. And I talk about all those seven principles of how they need to be activated in order to get the right people on board and then educate them sufficiently so that they can do the, a good job and the right job. Um, what I most often see is a confluence of governance and management. That is the most frequent problem I encounter where uh, board members step into management because that's what they know what, how to do rather than governance or CEOs kind of manage their boards uh, and the board members just become a bobblehead approval board. Yeah. So it's finding that balance of trusteeship, which is governance, and organizational operations, which is management. So um, tell us about some of the recommendations and some of the insights that you would uh, give about bringing on good board members. And by the way, just a step, uh, you can get a little closer to your microphone. That would be good. Great. Uh, I can do that. Yeah. yeah, my mic is not working too well with this system. So yeah. um, what I have here then is to say the first thing is, is your culture by default or intentional? We know that you can manage culture by managing your core values. There's been a lot of research on that. So the first thing is what culture do you want to create in your organization, but also within your board? What is that intentional culture? And that's the foundation of recruitment is what is our culture? Have we made it explicit? And then the second thing that I talk about is what volunteers who serve on boards are hesitant to do, and that is check out the person's character. That's a real critical issue that sometimes gets overlooked. Well, we know this is a good guy. He's a friend or she's a friend, and I'm sure he, she will do a great job. And then you find out later on that there's a problem. And I've seen this a couple of times with organizations where they haven't really checked the person, their background. When, when I served on the Girl Scouts board, they did a background check. They had me 
uh, give them references. And they were very serious about checking out my character, which I, I applauded. I don't think if you do that due diligence that a prospective board member is going to feel pushed away unless they have reason to be feel pushed away because what you might discover, rather you're sending the message that we're really serious about who we bring on our board. So I think character is the next big thing. Yeah. I, um, you know, I, I wanted to address two things because I think it can be uh, a misunderstood, not misunderstood. People may not understand the idea of culture, right. Of an organization. So like, so, how would you define culture when it comes to, you know, when you want to define the culture of your organization, how would you go about doing that? Yeah, I, I think I describe it as the unspoken assumptions about how people should think, feel, and act and the behaviors that result from those assumptions, right? So oftentimes we don't even know because we haven't thought about it. And so that's where core values research shows that if you, what are your core values, you know, uh, maybe it's trustworthiness. Uh, maybe it's uh, uh, authenticity. Uh, there are an, a range of things that define your board culture, how you treat one another. Uh, and there's also this effect of what I call cognitive dissonance. They might agree to something, but then you see they act in, in, in conflict to what they've already agreed upon. And I worked with a board, a national board once who had this problem. And once we brought it to their attention, I did it through interviewing a, a, a number of board members, and some of them felt dismissed, some of them felt yelled at, others felt that they were being bullied. And when I put that up on the screen at the first board meeting, they all sat back and, and thought, we get the message. We understand now that the way we're behaving is in conflict with what we believe are the values we should carry into the boardroom. So, Could you... Two Finish your thought. I, I apologize. That's that's it. So so like, give me an example of a nonprofit that you worked for or worked with, where they had really done a nice job of defining their culture. And you don't have to say in the you say the name of the nonprofit, um, but you know. But I'm curious to hear what the culture, the defined culture was. Um, yeah, um, that's that very same. That, that very same board that I talked about, they, they thought more about this once where they saw where the conflict was. And, they, and what they came up with was dignity was one of their core values. Uh, listening was a core value. Uh, respect was another value. And they started to act on those once they made them explicit. And we're not talking about organizational core values, which is a different conversation than this. We're talking about the, the core values of the board, how the board interacts, the, the values they carry and, and make actionable. Yeah. And then at the same time, I know uh, it's always a great idea to have your mission statement as well so that right. they all work together. You know Absolutely. what your mission is. And then, you know, those those cultural values. And um, I, I know like one, of the, one of the companies I, I had built. Um, it was my second company where, and it relates to nonprofits, so it's worth talking about, where before I opened the doors of the company, I said, this is the culture I want. And, and I said, this is the type of people I want. Uh, I want to hire people who fit into this culture. And 
Um, and and I it worked great. You know, I've always done it that way. Where I, you know, I've read so much about how culture is important, your mission is important, and so I said, you know what, I'm not going to wait to define my culture and mission. I'm going to I'm going to do it ahead of time, and it, it worked out well. So, um, you know, I know some of the executive directors that are listening now. It say is you know, it's not like I can get a pool of twenty people to pull from who are breaking down the door to become, to get on my board. That's right. You know, I, I, I kind of have to take what I can get. Um, um, what, what, how would you address those concerns? First of all, having been served as an executive director for a number of years, I completely understand that the last thing you want to do is fix your board because you've got so many operational things to handle day to day. And why isn't the board chair doing his or her job? Right. So, but, there's a reality piece of this as well, and that is that you have to pay attention to your board. You have to figure out how you will find the right people. What I recommend is creating a recruitment profile, and I call that looking at competencies. Because the thing, uh, and there's a lot of research that I quote in the book about how hard it has been to create diverse, inclusive, equitable boards, right? It, it's it's People complain about it. But no one is really paying attention to recruitment as a strategic practice. You wouldn't grab the CEO off the street just because they were within 20 feet, right? You'd go do a search. And uh, I recommend that boards have a search committee that's constantly functioning throughout the year to identify what, what characteristics do we need. And, and I say, what, what's the character look like? What's the competent, what are their competencies look like? What connections do you need? Drop that profile because it's not just business acumen you're looking for, right? Just because someone is credentialed doesn't mean they're competent. You're looking for a specific set of competencies and you need to interview for it and you need to look for it. And I've also found that once you define what you're looking for, and I've had when I was chair of a board, I found this to be true. Once you know what you're looking for, it's a lot easier to find it. You just need to do the work to know what you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah, I can kind of see where... Even if you have a smaller board, you can tell one person on that board or, you know, get them to gain agreement on the idea that, hey, you're the one who's in charge of making sure we have a pipeline of other uh, potential board members. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a practice. It's not it's not complicated, but I, I always recommend you just step back at a few board meetings, say, what are the competencies? What are the governance competencies you're looking for? What are the character competencies? Are you looking for strategic thinkers? Are, are you looking for creative people? Are you looking for those who have demonstrated sound judgment? And, and so what do you need on, on your board at this time? Part of it might be subject matter knowledge, right? So there might be a whole range. And once you write that maybe pseudo job description, but I call it the profile up, you can look for those people. You can tell people what you're looking for. Is, you know, I, I do a lot of searches for my clients. And once we know what we're looking for, it's much easier to find it. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. very clear and specific about it. And I believe you can you can do that. Now, what about um, uh, executive directors and, and, and presidents of the board who really look at giving board positions to the biggest donors? <laughs> as a way to leverage that position to get more money. What's your thoughts on that? Mistake? Mm. Yeah. Uh, unless they're competent to serve. And that's the point. 
although you need to raise money, absolutely. Um, governance is responsible for financial stability, right, over the long term. But your best fundraisers might not be your best governance board members. And you need to search for governance competence, right, to, to get the right people who know how to manage a board for the board chair rather than someone who might be the most influential or most wealthy. So it, it's, it's, yeah, the, that's getting in the cart before the horse. Yeah, uh, yeah. So what else? I mean, what are the other things that you, uh, uh, when it comes to onboarding and recruiting that, you know, you really address in your book? Well, beyond the, uh, beyond the uh, uh, character, I, I talked a little bit about competencies, and then there's connections. Now, pre- first thing most executive directors think is connections to people who are affluent, right? And that, that's definitely one set of connections you need. But you also need connections to the community you serve. You also need connections to those who are influential, and are, and are, are uh, uh, influential within the community and can influence opinion. And another type are, are those that can might really know how to help you position your nonprofit because of their special knowledge or special understandings of how things, how things work. So it's a matter of, of really building out that portfolio of what types of connections you need. And beyond the connections, I move into a, a composition. And, and in composition, I talk about uh, inclusion, uh, equity, and diversity, because those are important things we've overlooked. Um, they're hard to do. And I, I interviewed a, a few uh, Black Americans who talked to me about some of the challenges that they have that really influenced how I was able to, to fill out that chapter. Because we all come to situations where we, we bring social categorization or implicit bias or more two of the more favorite words. People get enculturated into a majority style of acting. So it's, it's hard to create a diverse, inclusive, and equitable culture unless you pay attention to it and make it an explicit part of your recruitment plan. Yeah, yeah. And that diversity really adds value. And there's a lot of research that supports that as well. Yeah. And the, what, about, the, um, what about onboarding? Uh, what are some suggestions? Uh, you know, one of the things I certainly can think of is, you know what? Uh, if you really gonna if you, if you have a really good president of the board, uh, you know I would think that he or she has built the systems of the board so that if they're if they're not there, if someone else took over the position, that there wouldn't be any um, hiccups. So in other words, is you know, having really defined processes. Now, now I would think that a lot of people who are on the board and who are presidents of the board are people who have been pretty successful in either the business world or the nonprofit world and would intuitively know that that's important. But am I wrong in saying that? Am I wrong in saying that someone who comes on and is president of the board would intuitively know that we have to set up systems so that when they're no longer doing that, it still runs really smoothly. Yeah. Well, it, it depends on the nonprofit. It's so uh, idiosyncratic. Um, I've seen some great board chairs who do exactly as you've described. Right? Mm-hmm. I, I watch them come in and manage the board, set up policies, 
to govern, right, and know how to uh, keep the line clear between governance and management. But not everyone knows what governance is, right? It's, it's oversight, but it's not operations. And so many times I'll see business people come in and they know operations, so they start meddling in operations rather than in oversight. Because uh, governance, there's a, there's a book out uh, a few years ago by a few Harvard faculty called uh, Gover- Governance as Leadership. And talking about that uh, the first role is oversight, but that's just the beginning. The second is strategy for the organization. And the third is innovation. So knowing how to think about the future is a really important responsibility of the board and, and how to be aware of the organization and how it functions. And I call that continuity. And that's what I focus on when I talk about onboarding. Do board members really understand how the organization works, right? Do they understand and do they understand their role in governance in relationship to how the organization works? So understanding that continuity of how it all works together is really important for them to make these sorts of strategic and innovative uh, suggestions about how the organization might serve more people, fit better within the community, uh, do better work, those yeah. sorts of things. Yeah. What other parts of your book um, do you think have been really, really important uh, to the readers um, that you've gotten feedback on and they said, you know, this really helped me out? Yeah, it's been interesting. It's been it's been all over, all over the board. Uh, In fact, someone just told me last night I was meeting with the board and I didn't know she purchased my book. But she said when I got into I thought I was going to be able to read it pretty quickly. She said, but you got into some really deep stuff when you talk about board composition that we really, really need to think about. So that area where I do dig into, you know, the social justice issues, uh, uh, gender identity issues and how a majority culture, there tends to be a white majority, primarily male culture on our, from most, the majority of boards in the United States. And, and those that are primarily white uh, tend not to have too too much diversity. And then you'll have organizations that have prim- primarily black leaders. But you also have the disability area where you do have people with disabilities leading organizations. But it all tends to be siloed. There's not a real sense of, of, of integration um, within the organization, w- within any board, in terms of different perspectives when we talk about diversity. So that's one of the areas that I've heard most about. So, I mean, in the beginning, you know, a lot of the, our listeners are smaller nonprofits, right? They're under $5 million in revenue. And, um, you know, they might have had some good experiences with their board. They might have mm-hmm. had some bad experiences with their board. Who, who's kind of calling the shots when you have, you know, the executive director and a younger nonprofit brings on the president of the board? Who's kind of calling the shots? Is it the executive director or is it the president of the board? Well, well I've seen both. I've seen where the board uh, is primarily managing, self-managing itself, even in the smaller nonprofits. And I've, I've seen it the other way as well. It, the thing is, is to know your role. And the, the, the executive director sometimes is drawn into needing to explain to the board member what governance is, right? It, it's it's about this oversight strategy uh, innovation that you're helping us serve our 
constituency better. And ma management is getting in the trenches and doing the work. And I often say the board is, is what, the management is how. And there's where I find the, the, the rub. Oftentimes I do find that executive directors need to help board members understand what governance is and where the line between governance and management resides. Because um, that's governance is in places to protect the public interest, right? Since it's non, not profit. Now, I, um, I'm assuming, that, of course, that you've come on board as a consultant for training for board the boards in, in many cases. Is that, that accurate? Yeah. Yeah, that's what you do, right? So when you um, – what are the things when you come in? So let me ask you this. What percentage of the time are you coming onto a board because it's dysfunctional? 90. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I often joke well, that. Well, last ninety nine. So thank God know. for dysfunctional boards because I have a business. So, <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Yeah. So so ninety percent is dysfunctional. Who's calling you? Is it the executive director, or president of the board? It's pretty. It's pretty well split between the two. Fifty yeah. fifty. Um, right. I've had board members call me that saying we need somebody because I know and a few of us know things aren't working well at this yeah. this organization. Then I'll have executive directors a lot of times in a panic. Saying, you know, I can't manage my board. They're overstepping their bounds. Yeah. Uh, they aren't really providing good oversight. Uh, how can we? How can you help me? Yeah. And uh, so, when I go into those situations, I always start with not just board values, right? So, what's your covenant in terms of your culture? Those values, but looking at core values. Yeah, I start with so, what calls this organization into existence, and and I describe it as people who founded the organization said what is shouldn't be. And the values that they held called them to do something about it. So I said, what's at your heart? What underlies everything? Those values that call you to do the work you're doing, those are your core values. You may have lots of values, you know, 20, 30, 40 different values, but what are those three or four core values that called you to do your work? Starting there with a board, it really is a grounding place. It gets them centered and thinking about why they exist, why the organization exists. And then I go to vision and then to mission. So those are usually the three I start with in talking about getting a board settled. And then I'll go in to talk more about what is the role of governance. And, you know, there are a lot of, there's a lot of stuff written on what's the role of governance in the nonprofit sector. So um, is it safe to say that 90% or higher of the situations you go into to help where they haven't defined the culture, they haven't defined the mission. You know, I would say that mission often, yes. Culture, most of the time, they don't say what? Yeah. Right? That we just work this way. Well, then we should look at yeah. how you're functioning. Yeah. So culture is often unconscious. Uh, and core values um, are, are somewhat frequent, but I wouldn't say the majority of organizations have a sense of what their core values in the true sense of this is what calls us to, to do our work core values, right? The so, deep down yeah. stuff. So it begs, it's, it's obvious to me that if you want to, uh, that a much better functioning board is a board where everyone has already worked on the project of understanding mission, culture, and core values. If, yeah. 
a lot of problems will take care of themselves. For example, the people you bring into the board, mm -hmm. if you've identified those three key things, which I'm not saying is easy for someone to gather all of the, uh, what's the right word? Uh, I'm trying to think, not mice, <laughs> something that's running around like crazy, I guess, whatever. But because uh, it's hard, you know, trying to get everybody on the same page. Herding cats. Yeah, herding cats. That's, I, I just couldn't think of it, right? That's right. And uh, especially because I have a dog. I've been but, there. <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, but, you know, especially because, you know, it's not like it's a corporation or a company where, you know, there's one person in charge and that's that's it. It's either the owner or the CEO, and that's that's all there is to it, right? In a case with a nonprofit, it's a little less um, – the line is a little less obvious, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah, yeah. And mainly because of lack of understanding where that line is, right? And and board and executive directors are often afraid to draw that line because what I tell executive directors is you're not subordinate to the to the board chair or even subordinate to the board. They hold you accountable and can hire and fire you, but you're the executive director. They're the directors. You're a director, but the executive director responsible for management, and that's yeah. your job. So. They should test you, challenge you, ask you great questions, but stay out of management, but then hold you accountable to the outcomes, right? Yeah, yeah. They can always fire you. And you also, the other problem, oftentimes a board chair will try to manage the CEO and the CEO is not responsible to the board chair. The CEO is responsible to the corporate entity, the board. Yeah, uh, yeah. And that's important as well. So, um the so now so we've you you come on you 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 know I'm sure I'm sure within 15 minutes you've already figured out the mission the culture and the the core values I'm kidding of course that's a, that's a lot of work after that what is the next thing you typically on a consulting assignment will get into with them well then they begin to think about what is their value proposition right their brand position and value proposition for the last two decades at least, the nonprofit sector has been growing at 5%. Philanthropy has been growing at 25 That's easy math to figure out, right? So if you're going to be competitive or collaborative in the sector, you need to know your value proposition yeah. and, and how you fit together. The other piece of that is, is definitions. So when I talk about, because you mentioned core, core values, culture, and mission, but vision is also very important. But vision is not a, 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 an exercise of looking in the mirror to see how great you are. Vision, I mean, vision is not doing that. Vision is looking out the window and saying, how will the world be different for those we serve when we succeed? I like it. Right. So focusing on that type of vision that's that's pragmatic and has some real feet to it, it, it is important as well. I, I love um, I love it when it's something's clean and structured I just it just makes things so much easier. Yeah, and and the can, boards do have profound experiences when we just look at these simple things, right? Yeah. Because they, to me, clarity is the root of all goodness. Right? Clarity of expectation, clarity of definition, clarity of understanding. So when you un so with mission, I say it's simply what you do for whom to what effect. Yeah. Right? All those three elements should be in there, and many times one of those is is left out. But what's the effect of what you're going to be? Do you really know who you serve? And we, we go through a process of defining who you serve. You have to have the capability to serve them, right? 
Yeah, you yeah. actually have to be able to serve them and change their lives. That's who you serve. How are you going to change their lives, right? And what yeah. are you going to do to do it? Yeah. So that, again, another simple definition is very impactful when talking to boards. So, you know, our podcast today um, is about, you know, onboarding and recruiting of uh, board members. We've talked about here doing lots of, you know, legwork and groundwork, of I'm thinking of the word, groundwork to kind of, you know, set the framework for the person, for the people that we want to recruit, right? We talked about um, we uh, having someone or, you know, identifying uh, a committee or a person who is responsible for having a pipeline of, of uh, bringing additional board members on, if not now, then in the future. And we've also talked about the idea of making sure that that person through background checks or, you know, uh, good interviews matches the, the values of that we've defined earlier on. What, what other things, uh, let's, so let's, let's go one step further. What recommendations would you have for onboarding people so that, you know, people who do join the board, what are some ideas that you would have about best practices in that regards? All right. I'll give you an example from my experience when I chaired a board. Um, it was uh, it was a foundation for a school. Uh, my daughter happened to be at the school, and so obviously I was very interested in that what that foundation was able to do. And uh, so when I was asked to chair it, I was very hesitant to do so because I saw <laughs> what needed to be done. So we went through this process of really identifying the core values and the vision and the mission. But then we looked at board composition and board expectations. And the first thing that I did was get on the phone to talk to a few people who weren't showing up. Board chairs are really hesitant to do this, but it's a real critical responsibility. So I said, you know, um, we haven't seen you at the board meetings recently. Um, is there a reason um, why, why you're not able to participate? And uh, because we really need people to show up. I don't know if this is the right time in your life to really invest your energy in this. It may not be right. But I just ask you to think about it because if every board member were expecting to show up and be fully participating in the board. Well, he politely resigned, but that's a hard conversation to have. But that's the first thing to do. But then the other piece about finding people is really defining character, competence, competence that you need in connections and culture, right, as you said. And it, the work really is to what do you need from people in each of those areas? And I split it into two categories, what you must have and what you need some people to have, right? But as you have that in front of you, work that on a regular basis. Not only should one board member be responsible for re recruitment or onboarding and looking at what needs to be done, but I think a committee, a group of people, and also the board should be brought back to the board on a regular basis. How do we renew ourselves? How do we keep ourselves really op functioning at our highest level? What educational needs do we have to help us understand our role better or understand the organization better, et cetera? Well, it's all good stuff. So it just makes sense to me that you just start it, start over, <laughs> start from ground zero, right? You start over, you start pecking away at it. Um, you know, the, the only other thing I think I would, it's something that I think that I, um, to be honest, honest with you, I, I did well with, and that is um, what the, the recommendation I would have, because I've been on 
uh, I'm on a nonprofit board and too. And I don't like dictating to people what they should or shouldn't do. I want to get their buy-in. So they need to be involved right. in the, the discussion of, you know, what's our mission, what's our values. You can't just as an executive director or president of the board saying, this is our values and right. that's it. Right. And, right. The, and the, Absolutely. Re- the reason for that is you just don't get, buy- you're not going to get buy-in. That's right. And also the well, answers, right. Right. you know, you, I, I don't like doing it because I, I usually get better insights from other people that I wouldn't have thought of. Right. You know? So, um, so, you know, bring everybody along. I, I think this is hard work. I mean, I think, you know, I, I just think it bringing someone like yourself in um, is, is really, you know, don't be, penny smart and dime foolish, right? Uh, 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 you know, this, you know, spend the money uh, because probably in the long run, it's going to make a huge difference to your survival of your nonprofit. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, so many boards just kind of fumble along, right? And they do, when they're not really well-trained, they do dumb things. <laughs> And they aren't looking at the best interests of the organization itself. They're looking at, well, uh, how much are we enjoying uh, this work that we're doing? How proud of the work are we that we're doing? Uh, But are they really focused on how can we make this the best nonprofit in the community? Are they thinking like that? And it's a matter of of, of changing the mindset and, and get people really engaged in the best interest of, of the, the community you serve even more than the nonprofit itself. Yeah. Even going to like, when you're talking about board attendance, you show me a board meeting that's running really well. I'll show you a hundred percent attendance. You're absolutely right. Right. It's if you have poor attendance it's because people are bored. That's right. That's right. right. And, and having fun. I, I, I always yeah. talk about board meetings should be fun. It yeah, should be enjoyable. Yeah. Not and serious. You're dealing with serious business. Yeah. But, but they should be fun. Yeah. And board members need a chance to socialize, not another gala, not another event, but socialize with one another also helps. Uh, if there's just a few minutes before or after a board meeting when people just chat with one another, it strengthens board as well. Well, good stuff. Well, that's a little time we have for today. And I would like to very much thank James Mueller from James Mueller and Associates LLC for coming on today's podcast. If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. If you like today's podcast, please give us a review on your podcasting app to help us get the word out. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your nonprofit, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. James, if people want to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? The easiest place is my website. My first letter of my first name, J Mueller at jmuellerassociates.com. And that's J-M-U-E-L-L-E-R associates.com. Right. It also will be in the notes from our podcast as well. And James, if people want to order your book, how would they go about doing that? It's uh, uh, it's on all the e-reader libraries. It's on Amazon. It's at uh, Barnes and Noble. It's right. pretty pretty accessible. Just onboarding champions, the seven recruiting principles of highly effective nonprofit boards. Great, great. All right. Well, listen, uh, James. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. I want to thank everyone out there for all the work that you do. 
Um, I often say this at the end of every show, we need everybody to really do their part in making the world a better place. We're all connected. And uh, hopefully these podcasts help you run a better organization. Certainly helps me learn more about our clients and also helps me run my own board uh, better as well. So everybody have a great day. Please stay safe and please enjoy the summer thing. Thank God the weather's getting nicer. Today it's 81 degrees out in New Jersey, and I'm much happier than I was about six months ago. So everybody, I hope you have a fantastic day. 